politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome fellow American patriots who are now subjects of the state to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house for Tuesday. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about. We're going to have our special super duper activist guest, Shannon Joy, radio show host from Rochester, New York, back on the show in a couple of moments. So you won't have to listen to my intravirus uh, or cold or whatever voice I have. Uh, thanks to my kids being locked down and then finally uh, getting exposed to other kids. But that's fine. That's God's immunological ecosystem. We're all thankful for that. What we are not thankful for is the degree of tyranny, the degree of subjugation that is taking place. The cult of the mask, the cult of lockdown. As time goes on, we find more and more information debunking every premise undergirding the panic, every premise undergirding mask wearing, undergirding lockdowns. Yet they censor, they lie, and they beat into submission. And we all wonder, when are we going to fight back? There's a great article at the American Institute for Economic Research by Jeffrey Tucker. It's titled, We Need a Principled Anti-Lockdown Movement. He's a little bit more libertarian, I think, than most of us are on a couple of issues, but at least he's one of those libertarians who's consistent that actually does support liberty in this case. And it's well worth your time. I'm not going to read it today. But where is that movement? When are we going to take back our country before it's too late? Before we can't do it? You watch some of these images of what is going on in Australia, and it's it's shocking, but it's not that shocking because we're only one step behind that. You look how quickly things have degenerated here and how efficiently they get everyone to comply with the most insane, unhealthy practices, not to question the most contorted policies imaginable when common sense and basic data observation from five months refutes everything they're saying. That should really give us pause. If you haven't seen it, you could Google it. Obviously, we don't have video here anymore, so I'm not going to play it because you'll only hear a bunch of curse words. But there was this woman in Melbourne, Australia, a young girl, like 21 years old. This male cop was demanding that she put on a mask. This was outdoors. And then he grabs her. You know, she, she like tells him off. He grabs her, starts like wrestling with her. And then... What appears to happen is that he takes her to the ground, basically pins her hands down, and covers her face. I mean, that conjures up images of you-know-what. Had he shown me this in China? Yeah, I wouldn't really think twice about it. But this is now happening in Australia, and if you think this can happen here, I mean, it almost has. You're not paying attention, and you're not activated enough then. We're debating among a group of us, what would happen if this video were shown in a place in America? And I'm not convinced we would have a more robust citizen reaction to it. 
Remember, we had this whole, uh, you know, destruction of our country over an alleged choking event by a cop. This woman was being choked also. But she was white. So remember, in this country, it was this whole, you know, sensitivity about police had nothing to do with police brutality, as we noted many times. We have we have the biggest police state we've ever had now. They want to use the police for what they want to use them for. They have no problem with that. This is all a racial supremacism, which is really just about Marxism, and that's just one of their tools to divide people. So you can't count on that either. Meanwhile, maybe I'll get to this tomorrow in an article. There's a case out of Kansas where the health director showed a false chart. So the state legislature, which is Republican, overturned the Democrat governor's mask order and allowed the counties to decide. So it's something like 90% of the counties opted out of it, but the more liberal counties you know, around uh, Kansas City they and, and some other places, maybe Topeka, they mandated a mask uh, requirement. And, he, and this guy had a chart to show that, oh, those counties did better because they wore masks. And it was completely fabricated. It's hard to show without a visual here, but he played the classic X and Y axis game where he didn't put them on the same axis. So, it may, so in fact, it was the non-mask counties that had much fewer cases and a much better trajectory. But he actually showed a line where the mask counties were lower. And, and each, it was fabricated because he, they were on a different x-axis. So thanks to our friends at, uh, where is this? The Sentinel. SentinelKSMO.org, it's an organization in um, Kansas, for pointing this out. And someone sent that to me. So this is what they need to do. Now we know why they have to censor, why they can't have a debate. Because they cannot deal with the truth without lying. I don't know if I'm going to have time to get to it today with our guest, but I'm going to have today the definitive article debunking the panic about this Georgia summer camp. You know how they like, they'll, they'll have a panic. Oh, there's been a spread. And, and a questioning person always has to say, when you have every damn European country, today, by the way, Greece has been added to that list of countries that have not found child-to-adult transmission or really much child-to-child transmission. It's adults who give it to children, and then it's, it's really not a problem for them when they get it anyway. And then suddenly in America... All the rules don't apply. No, we find the opposite. You just have to start asking yourself, like, what, it goes 10 levels over? Like, we'll debate one point, and they'll show a case that's like 10 points over. I mean, there's a certain willing suspension of disbelief. Like, come on. Oh, no. Now, mind you, no one was hospitalized. No one died. But it was like a major attack rate. It was like, you know, I don't know, a third or even more than a third like 40% attack rate of the camp of about 560 kids there and like 75% war symptomatic, you know, it's sore throat, mild fever, some of them. And it, even that is, I mean, that happens all the time and I explain it, but it, it, it kind of flies in the face of the attack rate we see even with adults and the asymptomatic rate we see even with adults, much less children. So I'm going to have the definitive takedown of the obfuscation and the lies with that. It turns out, 
It was all before and after. The camp was open for just two days. They had a seminar of the counselors there for four days before. That's where it likely started. And then they counted anyone 14 days thereafter, after it closed. And that was at Georgia's peak transmission. They got it from home, from their parents, which is where they usually get it. Has nothing to do with schools. Remember, our contention was never that kids don't get it. It's that kids don't really spread it. It's adults give it to kids. Schools don't change the equation of them getting it. And it's less than the flu for them and certainly less of a death rate than the flu. So if you're going to close for this, you have to close for the flu. That's our argument. Um, but anyway, what, what's funny is here we are. That was in, in June 21st. Here we are in middle of August, almost the end of camp season. And somehow we don't have any examples. Because a real example would be you had a camp open for six to eight weeks, and then you have the spread, so then clearly it happened during the camp. No, we haven't seen that. This was bogus. So whatever, I have, I have a lot of different things to say about that. There's a lot of other stuff going on. Where's the president headed? Is he going to be better? We got our buddy, Dr. Scott Atlas, is finally put on that task force. But again... What what is this? The Game of Thrones? Trump is like, I need help battling Fauci and Burks. Hey, Scott Atlas, could you come help me? Well, fire them. I mean, all that usually does is just stick a good guy in a meat grinder. Like, well, why does he have to have these competing things? Does will Biden have a task force with ninety percent conservatives and then ask a liberal to come on to to counter them? And a lot of people are asking me about this this the debt forgiveness the. Uh, mortgage forgiveness, the rent forgiveness, the extension of mass unemployment benefits that that Trump did, and then he threw in the payroll tax suspension. But now I see it's only means tested, so it's not for you know a lot of, a lot of middle income people. Like I would have taken that. Look, if they're going to hand out free money, at least give a tax cut. But that has to be means tested as well. I mean, come on, come on. Which reminds me of today's sponsor of this show, Bills.com. Being in debt sucks, especially if you're not someone getting handouts from government. When your job is shut down by government, you work your life to get into an industry, take out student loans, and government distorts the market and destroys your livelihood. Or you're forced into a system where the only viable way of getting a job is this stupid four-year college system that for most people doesn't work and it leaves you with nothing but debt, credit cards, student loans, mortgages. Now, I want to talk to you about something similar to what I did yesterday with Gabby Insurance. A simple assessment. I'm not asking you to buy a product, spend any money. It can only save you money. If you're maxed out on your credit cards, you have problems with mortgage payments, See, unlike the government, you can't just write yourself a check. First step to lowering your monthly payments and becoming debt-free is to get an assessment of how bad the situation is. Bills.com offers a free assessment. Again, only takes a few minutes. And it could save you hundreds or even thousands of dollars each month. From debt settlement to personal loan consolidation to student loan or mortgage refinancing, Bills.com has you covered. They're part of the Freedom Financial Network, which has been in business since 2002. They've settled $10 billion in debt. Here's the deal, folks. 
I want you to take the first step in defeating your debt on your own without government. Get your free debt assessment today. Go to bills.com forward slash conservative. That's bills.com forward slash conservative bills.com forward slash C-O-N-S-E-R-V-A-T-I-V-E. Now, I have a lot more to get to today, but most importantly, I want to get to our guest. By now, most of you should be familiar with our upcoming guest, Shannon Joy. She is radio show host in Rochester, New York, WHAM. Listen to her show every night at 9 p.m. But more importantly, she is a super duper activist. And in fact, if we had a few of her in every sane county in this country, or even halfway sane county, we would have a very different country. And the question is how to create more people like her. How do we not get fatigued from what's going on? How do we get out of this state of paralysis that we're seeing? If you haven't listened yet to our episode two weeks ago, it's a must listen to even before this episode 686. Make sure you get that iTunes, Stitcher, Google, wherever you hear it. Um, But we're going to take that to the next level today. Hey, Shannon, are you on the line? Well, hello, Daniel. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so glad to be here with you and your amazing audience who I've gotten to know in the past couple of weeks. A lot of people have reached out to me and, and you're right. That episode uh, did garner an enormous amount of feedback and it spurred me. It's something I've been wanting to do for quite some time to begin the accidental activist series that I've been doing now. So thank you for that. Thank you to all your listeners. It's uh, it's a noble cause and it's a noble endeavor. And if you can figure out how to do it without losing your soul, then it is one of the most rewarding things that I've ever done in my entire life. And so I hope to um, inspire your audience and encourage them to begin on this path because it is so much more rewarding than the, the typical political organization that we've seen in the past 10 years, 20 years, 30 years even in this country from the conservative Republican perspective. So thank you. I, I appreciate being here with you. Okay, Shannon. So like everyone else, you saw that video from Melbourne where you had a policeman taking a 21-year-old girl outside for not wearing a mask, grabbing her, literally doing what you do to, I mean, what what a rapist usually does. I mean, pinning her down and covering her mouth. I mean, that's, that's, that's basically yeah. what it was. Perfect. And, you know, the thing is, you look at in America, we don't exactly have a video of quite that, but we do have people who have gotten arrested and cited. Clearly, this is happening very quickly to the point where soon we won't be able to fight back. But Daniel, what, yes, yes, what do we do is- with something like that? Well, and it, it is happening in the United States of America, in Rochester, New York, the Monroe County Sheriff's Department and officers have been used to enforce local health ordinances. And so we have a situation in Monroe County where a handful of individuals were arrested, detained and held for up to two or three weeks, not for have committing a crime. There was no due process. There was no crime committed. There was no accusation of a crime. But these are people who who 
refused medical testing, who refused to wear a mask. It was a huge scandal a couple months ago. We still haven't gotten a, a, an adequate response from the Monroe County Sheriff's or from the health department. And so we're going to be seeing, you know, th- this this idea that you've talked about uh, flipping on its head what it means to be a criminal, criminals who commit uh, heinous crimes, assault, burglary, rape, uh, you name it, are being released en masse and peaceful tax-paying citizens who have opposition or who disagree with health ordinance are being turned into criminals. And so this is happening in, in local situations. And the way to push back against it is that local organization, the vigilance and of, of local residents and the advocacy with your local sheriffs, your local police officers, local police departments, supporting them, but also holding them accountable. That comes from local organization and conversations that you're continually, continually having with police officers, police chiefs, and your sheriffs. And so that's the way you push back against it. But what we saw in Melbourne is coming to the U.S., and it's already here. No, there's no doubt. But how do people approach this the way we talked about schools a little bit last time with school board members? How do you approach this from a law enforcement standpoint, your local police department, local sheriff's department, when, as I just published a couple minutes ago, we literally have murderers being let out because of the very same pretext of COVID. It's unbelievable. Say, oh, there's COVID. They have to be let out of jail. They let, they're let they let out. They commit murder. We had a case in D.C., in Maryland, in Virginia. Um, people with career criminal records, uh, not, you know, these are not low level. It's not like, oh, someone was arrested for not ma- wearing a mask, but we were scared of COVID spreading in the jail. So we let them go. No, no, no. This was someone who had a, a history of armed robbery and assault was let go and then went on to commit murder. And yet these same cops will have no gumption about enforcing this. How do we have a public shaming campaign to nip this in the bud? You have to start with the understanding, and we touched on this briefly in our last discussion, that any ordinance or law or executive order that is put in place from the state or even federal level is only as powerful and as effective as the willingness of a local authority to execute it. For example, Andrew Cuomo can release 1,700 different executive orders. He's a paper tiger. Those orders are meaningless unless you have local politicians, school board, school boards, uh, sheriff's departments, health officials who are willing to comply with those orders. And so the, the way to apply leverage from the other side is through that local organization. So, for example, you want to make the people who are making these decisions, the for in our case, it was Sheriff Baxter here in Monroe County, you want to apply pain, right? Because your local officials are hearing from state officials, federal officials, their attorneys, their lawyers, their guidance, their white papers, their guidelines continually. They're being they're being threatened, they're being coerced, they're being influenced continually f- from the other side. If they're not getting any pushback from the local community and from a local organization, then they are going to naturally side because they, like any other human being, want to avoid pain, 
right? And so it's easier for them to acquiesce to the people, the squeaky wheels, the people who are applying more pressure. They're going to threaten them with taking away funds, shutting down institutions. They're going to threaten them with all sorts of ramifications for not complying with those executive orders or those unconstitutional laws. And so the, the key is to apply pressure from the other side. That then puts that local official in a very uncomfortable situation where eventually, if you continue to apply that pressure from the other side, they're going to have to make a choice. And this is the same for a school board, for a superintendent, for a sheriff, or for a a local uh, governmental body. And so if once you get that enough pressure to, you know, apply to them from the other side, then they're going to have to say, listen, everything has been blown up. We don't know what's going to happen in the next couple months, couple weeks, couple years. I'm getting all of this crap from the local community and from the state. I'm going to get sued either way. Right. And then that gets them into the position that you want them, where they say to themselves as a, as an elected official, I can either put my eggs in the Andrew Cuomo basket or I can put my eggs in the local community basket. And hopefully at that point, they're going to start to reassess what they've been doing for the past 10 years and say, you know what? We've been let down by Andrew Cuomo. He's going to throw us under the bus anyway. He's not willing to, to withhold that funding. And we've seen this happen with Steve McLaughlin, the uh, county executive out of Rensselaer County, who has time and time again in New York State defied Andrew Cuomo's executive orders. Cuomo threatens his county with taking funds, with lawsuits, with shutting down their nursing homes. But Steve continually ignores those threats and he's won every time. He hasn't had any of the ramifications that Andrew Cuomo threatens. In fact, he has begun to effectively affect Cuomo's policies. So that's that's where you want to put these officials. And yes, you do need leadership. Most of your elected officials are facilitators rather than leaders and you have to force them into a position of exerting leadership. That gets them to think, and it it will it will move them to make different decisions. And that's what I'm seeing at a corporate level too. I mean, y- you got to put yourself in their shoes. The pressure is only one way. There is no. I am not seeing an anti-mask pressure. I am only seeing a pressure that you must do this. So they're all clamoring, even in states where they don't have it in place. But the larger corporations will be like, yeah, 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 we're going to do this. We're going to do this until and unless you have an equal and opposing force at a local level. Um, they're not going to feel the pressure. And even if they themselves are not really bad people, they are going to go with that inertia and it's only in one direction. So with that said, what happens when you have you know an entire system that is so corrupt and you don't have what I just said from Jeffrey Tucker, we need a principled anti-lockdown movement, which we don't really have in large numbers yet, although I still think we have a silent majority. Then you get a couple of people that want to that jump in the bath, really good patriots. And because there's too few of them and you don't have a strong movement to head it off in a more legitimate way, they just get chucked into the meat grinder. And I know I sent this to you and I promised this listener we'd talk about this. Um, she sent me the following email. I'm Monica, 
the first reopened protester arrested in North Carolina back in April. So again, let's not forget that, you know, we look at that Melbourne video and like, hey, I'm uh, I'm sure glad this is not in, in America. It's not like we haven't had people at least basically arrested, maybe not quite in that way, but, you know, pretty close. I heard you speak back in late May as a guest with Mark Meckler, but a storm took out my power, yada, yada. You offered words of encouragement to us patriot newbies and invited us to email you if there might come a need. And now she's saying, well, I have a need. And she talked about this professor in North Carolina who was with them and fighting for freedom and reportedly committed suicide. And I find myself wondering, am I just spinning my wheels? Am I utilizing my time wisely? Am I choosing my battles wisely? I work primarily with a core group of six local patriots. We each try to support the other's heartfelt uh, callings, causes on a weekly basis, often interconnecting with other patriot groups. Most recently, for example, supporting North Carolina Back the Blue. Um, I just want to interject there. I do think we need to pressure the Back the Blue organizations together with some of the police unions that, look, we'll have your back. But you can't just turn around and and enforce Corona fascism. No, I mean, we'll have your back against the violent criminals, but you can't have it both ways. Otherwise, we're going to throw you to the wolves. But anyway, she goes on to say, we seem to take turns burning out and needing to regroup, particularly the ones working with domestic sexual violence issues. Um, Since this suicide, this concerns me more. Every patriot's time and energy is limited. Um, There are so many worthy fights that need to be championed. I could certainly use advice and prefer to pick the brain of a patriot whose words resonated with me. And I really read this and I feel at a loss of words because, you know, if you have a broader movement, there's a lot you could latch onto. There's a lot of big names we could use to give um, give some coverage. We could get to the, you know, get get the attention of various elected officials but I fear, I fear and feel that we are so far scattered. What would you say to a group of people in North Carolina or elsewhere that really feels like they're just burning themselves out and not seeing results? Well, I, first and foremost, I would thank Monica for stepping out and putting her reputation on the line, her sacred honor on the line, uh, being arrested, organizing, putting the time in. Uh, it is, again, as I said at the beginning, a very noble work, but it it is exhausting if you look at what you're doing from the wrong perspective. And it's something that I understand keenly uh, I am an accidental activist, Daniel. If you asked me eight years ago, if I would be on the corner of 490 in the Culver overpass a week ago, counter protesting, shaved head, tattooed BLM activists, anarchists who are posing as representatives of teachers in Monroe County, I would have called you crazy, right? So none of us want to be here because most of us who are now being drawn into this battle are patriots who value freedom and liberty. We don't want to impose our way of life on anyone else. We just want to be left alone. We want a functioning constitutional republic. We want the rule of law upheld. We want peace in our communities and in our societies. But what we're seeing is that our elected officials, our institutional parties are letting us down. There's no leadership there. And so we're being called out now. And very similarly to the way that God used 
individuals throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament to to further his will. If you look at the leaders, Moses was an exile. He was a convicted murderer, right? David was a poor shepherd boy who was called to go up against Goliath and, and built one of the largest and most prosperous empires. You have Esther, who was a concubine, right? She was a poor Jewish girl who was a member of a concubine who saved the Jewish people in her time. You have Daniel. He was in an exile, a, a minority class in Babylon, and they did great things. God used them. And so you have to look at what you're doing from your own perspective and understand that God is not calling you to save the world, right? We're not called to come in and fix anything. We want to, we want a plan. We want an organization. We want something that we can roll out that will effectively battle the powers that be that are seeking to destroy liberty in our country today. And and we want to roll that out. But we have to remember that God's plan, he puts a plan in place and then he uses individuals wherever they are from their own corner of the world. And so when I first got into activism eight years ago, I saw exactly what Monica was talking about. You get in there, you begin to research, you figure out what's going on. You have this passion burning inside of you. You're out there, you're organizing, you're activating, you're trying to get as many people involved as possible to build a movement. And you hit a brick wall time and time again, but you're operating at a breakneck pace and eventually every one of them will burn out. And so this is one of the reasons, one of my rules, you have to understand that this is a marathon, not a sprint. You have to pay yourself. And I came up with my rules for resistance. This is essentially something that I built for myself seven or eight years ago after I had done a lot of research and learned. It's it's an individual's guidance to pacing yourself and being able to engage in this political battle without losing your soul and without burning yourself out. And number seven and number 10 in my rules for resistance are very applicable to Monica. And the first for number seven is do what you can where you are. God places us in different positions. We have uh, unique talents and abilities. We're in different stations in life. And there's only so much that we can do from our corner of the world. But all God asks you to do is what you can from where you are and be okay with that. Understand there's a larger plan. And, And number 10 is to rest, Daniel, when you need to. To understand that there that this battle, there are a lot of defeats. Um, there's a lot of heartbreak, but the wins are very sweet and they're meaningful. They're few and far between. But when you're in a position where you lose a leader, uh, that someone that that you've respected, that has been at the forefront of a particular battle, you're going to feel this this hole. It's one of the other reasons I say, you know, root yourself in principle, not in politicians, not political idols, not institutions or political parties, but root yourself in the principles because you're going to lose those champions. That's going to happen. We've seen it happen time and time again. I remember when Supreme Court Justice Scalise, uh, not Scalise, I'm sorry. Um, oh, he passed away Scalia. a few years ago. Scalia. And I felt that hole in my heart. You know, you're like, oh, what are we going to do without him? Well, God doesn't want us to, to idolize these people. He, he wants to use people in their capacity. But 
the the key here, and what I would say to, to Monica is to take the rest that she needs and to and to understand that God's not asking her to save the world. And he's not asking me to save the world. Daniel, he's not asking you to save the world. He simply wants us to be obedient, to trust in him, to continue on this battle with perseverance, to fight for truth, to fight for liberty, and be okay with that so that you can put your head on your pillow at night, know you did the best that you can. You can kiss your kids and know that you haven't sold your soul to the devil. You can look yourself in the mirror and get up the next day renewed. And if that means you have to take a month off or six months off or a year off or even two years, that's okay. He will call up other people around you. But I think first and foremost, just from an individual perspective, we need to take that pressure off ourselves and understand that his plan is much more powerful than the planners that we're dealing with today. And yes, they have all the money, they have all the power, they have all the organization, but they don't have the truth. They don't have the truth. And that's their Achilles heel. And that's why I think we have to keep in mind. And I think the God factor is huge. I mean, we can't make the, mis- the same mistake that the pagans make um, where, you know, like the prophets of Baal, they're just sitting and cutting themselves. It's got to be, okay, lockdown, mess. And no matter what they do, it doesn't work. God's in control of the virus. Well, God's in control of the outcome of politics as well. I mean, sure. no matter what we do, often things don't seem to work. Yeah, we we ultimately have to understand this is part of God's plan and I think that is comforting. You know, the rod and the staff are comfort- comforting, uh, you know, both the good and the bad. And we can't lose sight of that. On a practical level, you look at North Carolina. So, you know, one thing I would tell her is that, so you got a Republican legislature, strong majorities, but you have a Democrat governor. You're not going to convince a Democrat governor anything. So, you know, who are your state legislatures? Get on them. But more than, like you're saying, on a state level, what county do you live in? And, yes. you know, start get, like like you're seeing against Cuomo. I mean, if you can do it in New York, you could do it in North Carolina, uh, depending at least on the county, maybe not in a place like Raleigh or Charlotte, but in many other parts of the state um, to start shaming them, start building that local network, take a couple of scalps rather than trying to bite that uh, full, you know, state sized uh, degree of activism at once. So that's right. one thing I would definitely tell her. But Shannon Because, like she said, I mean, there are a lot of, there's so many evil things. There's Mm -hmm. social things. She talked about violence and sexual assault. There's crime. There's, there's the social values. There's, there's the fiscal issues. There's, there's everything, you know, not a single issue is going right for us. What do you, what would you say are the two to three linchpins at this moment in the short run? Right now, the education, uh, school boards, superintendents, what's happening in education, I think, is the area where we could see the most movement and the willingness of majorities of populations to embrace this this liberty message and this pushback against lockdown. And I'll give you an example. Here in Monroe County, the school districts, all of the area school districts rolled out these cookie cutter surveys about four or five weeks ago where they got community involvement and engagement from stakeholders, parents and and teachers regarding the reopening of schools. Now, the hope is Andrew Cuomo and Bill Gates, they want machine learning. And so they are they they're using COVID-19 to implement what they're calling reimagine education, which is essentially machine learning. It is a Google Chromebook in the hand of every child. It's using teachers as facilitators, not educators. It's streamlining the the curriculum from the state level 
that is delivered directly to children. It's an enormous, enormous collection of data. It will make Bill Gates extremely wealthy, and it gives the state an enormous amount of power and control. So that's their larger agenda. They're using COVID-19 as a way to disrupt the school systems from the local level and move us into this new normal of machine learning, separating the children, and it's disastrous. Now, they expected most parents in those surveys to come back and and clutch their pearls and you know lament about COVID-19 and and how dangerous it's going to be. But much to their chagrin, when all these surveys came rolling back in, we saw here in Monroe County, 65 to 70 percent of parents responded in this survey that they wanted full day, five day school reopening. They were not worried about sending their children back to school. And so this applied now a new pressure to the administration. That's why you see the unions coming in and really aggressively trying to, you know, force their teachers into this fear state where they don't, the teachers don't want to go back to school. But within this, you know, that shows that the, the mood of the parents is very different. And when they're looking at the prospect of blowing up their entire lives, the state is saying to them, you can't send your kids to school, but you have to shell out $250 a week for daycare. That's essentially what the state is telling parents. You're seeing parents really begin to wake up and really begin to become engaged. They're placing pressure on the school boards. The school boards are going back to Andrew Cuomo. And this is why you had three or four days ago, Andrew Cuomo issue this statement that he didn't want to issue saying that schools should and can reopen in New York state. So the education component is crucial. It's crucial to organize parent groups. We have uh, Rock for Educational Freedom in in Rochester, New York, which has nearly 5,000 members. We have local community education groups, Pittsburgh parents concerned with education, Spencerport parents concerned with education that are popping up and applying that pressure. That's an area that there's a lot of pain for parents right now and a lot of uncertainty. So you can capitalize on that. The second area is the police. And this is why the back to the back the blue movements are so important. I mentioned earlier in the show that the Monroe County Sheriff's Department in a couple instances arrested citizens for not complying with health orders. Okay, it's unconstitutional. It, you know, no due process, uh, no crime committed. However, we're not seeing that at the local police department level. So I'm talking in my little town of Fairport to my local police officers on a continual basis. And we have organizations who are working with local police chiefs on a continual basis. We're supporting our police officers because right now BLM is putting them in a horrible position. But that's opening up conversation. And I can tell you, Daniel, we have all of these masking ordinances. We have all of these social distancing ordinances. And and the police departments, the police officers are not enforcing them. They're not enforcing them. In fact, they're calling us and saying, we're with you 100%. We're not going to enforce them. So those that's why those local connections are so vitally important. A lot of activists, um, you hole up in, in your office and your keyboard warrior and you watch Fox News and you're donating to national elections and you're out there, you know, you're, you're looking at everything that's happening from a global perspective. But if you show up at a school board meeting, no one in your community has ever seen you before. Your face is not out there. But if you're doing what I'm advocating, which is getting embedded into your 
community, showing up, making connections, making sure the police chief knows you, that 17 of the different officers know you, that when you have the hot dogs for cops event, they see you there, you're having conversations. This has led, Daniel, you know, I had a very public battle with our sheriff's department, with the with Sheriff Baxter. He was very angry with me, okay, because we called him out hardcore on what he instructed his officers to do three months ago. At one of our Hots for Cops events, I ended up having a face-to-face conversation with him, and I'm meeting with him next week. I'm sitting down with him for a meeting to talk about all of these issues and to apply that pressure, right? So that's where, because what we don't want, we do not, the police do not want to enforce these mandates. But if they're not hearing from the local community, then they're going to be compelled. They're going to think, well, this is where everything is going and I just have to comply. Again, that equal and opposing yep. force from the local level. So and, I think- And, and, and these are two police. sides of a coin, two sides of a coin, because like we had on last week with Sheriff Mark Lamb from Pinal County, Arizona, um, he had a citizen's training program to push back against the anarchy if need be. And- it's two sides of a coin because if you have a true morality on, first of all, God's law, but also natural law and um, constitutional law, you understand there are two sides of the, of the coin, civil liberties and criminal liberties. Okay. <laughs> if the same people that understand the need to combat anarchy understand that you will not use those cops for unconstitutional, arbitrary um, illegal mandates like, you know, wearing a mask and things like that. And and he was very clear about that. I, I don't wear it myself and I'm certainly not going to um, you know, use my uh, my deputies that way. And I think in some other places where they're more on the fence, that's really the leverage. Look, we'll throw you to the BLM wolves if that's what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you're if we're going to back the blue, it means backing the mission of the blue. And the mission of the blue is upholding the rule of law. And the rule of law is protecting innocent people and shielding exactly. them from bad dudes. And, right. and, 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 and it's that simple. Again, you know, the left's morality, they're very consistent. They, they are saying if you don't wear a mask, you are a murderer. And at the same time, they're letting murderers out because, under the same pretext. And I understand them. That is their religion. You know, we talked about yesterday how Sweden is a very secular country. But America is worse because America has become a religious country in the sense that it is religiously pagan. It is religiously yeah. irreligious. Right. That is their new religion. So, yes. you know, there they're kind of agnostic to everything. Here there is an unyielding faith in paganism. And part of that is we have our own set of laws and rules and morality of what is murder and what isn't murder. So this is how we fully flip that on its head. Um, this is how we get involved in the mass, you know, the mask mandate. Again, it's the kids. That's the linchpin of education. It's also the linchpin of the economy as well. Um, I just wanted to get your thought on one more thing. The first thing you said about the education, it's not just a matter of the. Well, wait, Daniel, yeah. just before you get there, let me put a nice bow on all of this, though, in sure. terms of, of the police officers and the importance of that local organization. So in Rochester, uh, there was a big BLM rally where, you know, they had the sheriff on his knees. Everyone was on their knees kneeling to the BLM people. Wait, wait, wait stop. Wait, Baxter, Sheriff Baxter? Uh, he, I, he sat, yeah, he knelt. He knelt. Wait, wait, wait. So the same guy 
Wait, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit slow today. And my voice is, yeah, yeah, yeah. is lost. So yeah. bear with me. The same dude who instructed his police to go around citing people if they don't wear a mask and hold people indefinitely if they test positive when there's false positives or they don't even test at all. Right. That guy, you have a violent group of people setting up like, you know, Fallujah style Shiite militia roadblocks. And, right. Right. And, OK. Wow. So, but so that was that was three months ago. But here's the end of the story. And this is why this I want to really hone in on this for this local organization. OK. Three months ago, he's, you know, sit, kneeling down. BLM is having the rally. They, they turned out about a thousand people, m- many of them paid protesters in Rochester and, you know, corporations embraced it and had their employees go out as well. They had about a thousand people. Right. That it ended in, you know, chaos, anarchy, looting, arson and riots in Rochester. But, you know, that was the narrative. Right. A thousand people. Fast forward today to through the work of the local organizi- or- organizers in Rochester. We turned out two weeks ago, six thousand people, Daniel, in Scottsville, New York, just outside of Rochester, six thousand uh, fifteen hundred motorcyclists. We had Mack trucks, big rigs, cars, rallies turning out for a true blue event. So what it, what are the optics and the narrative of that, right? What does that say to Sheriff Baxter? It says, look at these two organizations, and which one do you want to which one do you want to align with? Do you want to align with the BLM, the looters, the rioters, the anarchists, who are quite frankly very nasty people, very uncharitable people? Yep. <laughs> or or do you want to deal with the six thousand? Rochesterians that turned out to support you guys and the constitution. That's the pressure point. That's where you want him. And I think that's likely why he showed up for our hots for cops event. I think it's likely why I have a meeting with him next week. Well, definitely keep us updated on what's going on with that. That is very important. And folks, if you want, you could contact Shannon joy um, she will be part of our private Facebook page, Minimum Speak Easy. You could also go to our public page, Citizen Her. I'm sorry, Her with Citizen Sanctuary. Um, Shannon, and, and any anywhere else people could get a hold of your show, your work. Um, yes. Yeah, you, my website is theshannonjoy.com. So you can go and access all of my podcasts for free. They're on demand, commercial th- commercial free. You can also get my show live as it airs every evening from 9 to 10 p.m. So that's when I usually air my show. But everything is available to to everyone nationally. Anyone can email me, theshannonjoyshow at gmail.com. I do my best to get back to everyone. But yes, any you know if you have questions, if you want to access the accidental app, app activist series you can find all of them right there on my website there you have it folks that was shannon joy super activist radio show host in rochester god bless you for your work we'll speak to you later hey thanks daniel it's not just me though it's the people around me it really is i have to give all the credit to to the organizers in this area i mean that's it's it's the destructured organization that really makes a difference we all kind of go our own ways but we all support each other and come together in, in our efforts and so that's that's really where all the credit goes let's duplicate that elsewhere Alrighty, god bless y'all and uh i really think we do need to have shannon on the show more often to update us, um, it's very uplifting. She's really one of a kind, a terrific friend. And I'm hoping for our listener, Monica, it was at least some degree of comfort. Uh, let me know if any of you have more questions on that. 
I didn't even know this story about her sh- local sheriff. I didn't realize. I, I know she's had some rough uh, choice words to say about him for a while. I didn't realize she was actually going to meet with him. So that that shows the strength of of the progress her movement is making in her county there up in Rochester, New York. And it demonstrates, again, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. As, as frustrating as it is sometimes with local politicians, police, school boards, and certainly corporations and businesses with all these rules, I mean, they hear from one side. That's the thing. I, I know in the private schools in my area, what probably what it probably was was a handful of BS doctors that went to them like a bunch of animals. They got scared and they don't hear equal and opposing force. Hence, you get the result you get. Just want to say quickly in closing here, as I'm recording, I'm, I'm seeing a story come across the wires. Darius Sessoms, this individual in somewhere in North Carolina, walked up to his neighbor's kid riding a bike placed a gun on the five-year-old boy's head and executed him in front of his two sisters for accidentally riding his bike on his lawn. Folks, um, the perpetrator was black, the kid was white, as as is usually the case. Um, Why is there no expectation or anticipation of rioting? I'd like to answer that question. Talk about soft bigotry of low expectations. I mean, if the roles were reversed, you would have every state legislature and Congress working 24-7 on all sorts of legislation somehow dealing with this, whatever that even means. And yet, here we are. Again, the squeaky wheel gets oil. I haven't checked up the guy's record, but I would be shocked if he's not a career criminal. Um, So we'll find out more about that. There's another story out of Kentucky where I'm not kidding you, a BLM group is bringing a lawsuit against a local sheriff that wants to block their roadblocks. So they now have a right now they have a de facto right to block your way and beat you up in the road and surround you. But now they want to make a de jour right to do that and codify it into law. So, again, this is the sort of country we're going to live in if we don't fight back. We will wind up like that 21 year old girl in Australia. Is that the country we want to be? We need a principled anti-lockdown movement. Shannon has given us some good advice. We'll get some more advice from some other people throughout the week and month. Send me your ideas. If you want me to have you or someone as a guest on the show, you have good insight. Look, this is a free mic um, to anyone with strong, insightful, conservative uh, thoughts and strategies, really common sense thoughts. And I'm not even conservative anymore. And typically those people have greater insights than what you'll see on cable news, which is why you guys tune in. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your support for our sponsors, bills.com today forward slash conservative for your free assessment on debt. Um, Also, again, I am so thankful to all of you who have given me five-star ratings on iTunes. It really has made a difference and bumps up the algorithms. This is how we get out the truth. This is how we get around the censorship and the lies. Till tomorrow, stay strong, stay believing, and stay empowered.